Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Hi, welcome back. I'm Ken Baer with Faith Dialogue, a ministry here in Celebration, Florida. We've been uh, in a sermon series uh, called Unstoppable. It's actually the Unstoppable Church. And it's based on uh, uh, an overview, a study, verse by verse actually, through the Acts of the Apostles. Today we'll be starting in the 19th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Previously we saw Paul in Corinth, and Paul had, had good success there. While in Corinth, he actually met some very interesting people, and we spent some time talking about these people. Aquila and his, uh, his wife Priscilla uh, were two of them. Uh, we spent some time talking about them because they're actually very important people. They're mentioned four times in the Acts of the Apostles, and three out of the four times, Priscilla is mentioned first. Now, that's noteworthy because during this time, this was a male-dominated society in Asia and Europe and probably the whole world at the time. Many people think it still is today. And so we can only conclude this since Priscilla is mentioned first, uh, she had a particularly important ministry and God used her mightily. Uh, then last week, Paul traveled to, to Ephesus, and we met another person, another very interesting person. His name was Apollo, a, a very Greek name, not a Jewish name, but he was a Jew from Alexandria. And it said that he was preaching in the synagogue. The scriptures tell us that Apollos was a, a learned man and that he had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, that he spoke accurately and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. So in our, in our teaching last week, we, we dug into what the scriptures have to say about not only Apollos, but in particular this baptism of, of John, um, because it says he only knew the baptism of John. And it was a, we found that it was a direct indication uh, that what was lacking for Apollos is what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now that's a great introduction for us today because again we're going to meet uh, some individuals, Paul's going to meet some individuals that have very much the same, uh, the same situation. So let's begin in verse number 1 of chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's get our, our bearings. This is still the beginning of Paul's third missionary journey. Paul had passed through this area earlier on his second missionary journey, but he hadn't stayed very long. And the people there really wanted him to stay. And so he had taken a vow. Um, because he had taken a vow, it was important, however, for him to get back to Jerusalem to complete this, this vow. Uh, but then he, was, he promised that he would return to, to Ephesus. So here he is. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, uh, um, it's been a while since he was there, but he's now back in Ephesus. And we find out he's going to spend two full years here in, in Ephesus. Um, now, we won't spend that much time uh, talking through it. We're going to go through these chapters uh, relatively rapidly over the, 
over the next few months. So let's see what Dr. Luke is calling our attention to. We're told that Paul finds some disciples. Now, every time we hear the word disciples in the New Testament, unless we're told that they're disciples of John or the disciples of a Greek god or some other type of disciples, we can assume that these are disciples like you and me. We're disciples of, of Jesus, the Christ. They know Jesus as the Messiah. They have come to believe in Jesus, again, as the Christ. However, we're going to find that often, very often, uh, the initial belief um, that comes along with salvation is still very short of a full understanding of, uh, of God, uh, of the Bible, of the full life and testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, um, now, that knowledge actually comes by sitting at the feet of others, of spending time in the scriptures and spending time listening to the Word of God so that the Spirit of God can fully instruct us. So, so Paul meets these, these fellows, these, uh, these, these 12, it says. The scriptures tell us there are some disciples, and Paul says, and Paul asks them uh, actually a very unusual question. Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So uh, apparently there was something about these disciples that prompted this, this, this question from Paul. And remember, uh, Luke is giving us a snapshot uh, of what's important for our understanding. There, it could be that there was a, more of a conversation that was going on than this, this simple question by Paul. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Um, and, and realize also that uh, we just met Apollos. Um, it was just a few weeks ago. In fact, in the scriptures, uh, there, there are no chapter divisions. So chapter 18 and chapter 19 are all one, one uh, explanation. So in Dr. Luke's writing, it's only, only a few sentences ago, uh, a few dozen words that we're talking about Apollos. And here we are uh, with another situation with these, uh, these Jews that were believers uh, that had not yet uh, or understood about the Holy Spirit. In any case, Paul asked them this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's not a question that we typically ask. It's not a question that I ask. Uh, however, remember again, the experience that um, uh, Paul just had with, uh, uh, with Apollos. And there we specifically understand that what was lacking in the life of Apollos was this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is a statement by Dr. Luke. He's summarizing the reason for this encounter. Um, and remember, this is not about knowledge. Uh, we find out it's actually going to be also about a filling of the Holy Spirit. So these, these people came to, these disciples came to Jesus and they understood who Jesus was, but they hadn't been fully instructed. Um, it's described by Jesus, by the way, this Holy Spirit baptism um, is, is to be contrasted with uh, the baptism of John. So when Paul is asking these disciples if they received the Holy Spirit, he was specifically asking them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this unfortunately, and I want to make sure everybody understands this, this is a very controversial topic in many churches. And from my perspective, that's very unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that controversial. Um, people that understand the scriptures and we come from the scriptures, we can have differences of opinion about who these individuals were and what was lacking and also have differences uh, regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit without making it a, a huge controversy. 
Uh, beyond this controversial topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe also that there's something very important that we need to learn from this scripture, this, these, these scriptures today. And that's what I'm going to dig into. So let's look at the answer that these disciples gave. They said, well, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. You know, by the reply, these, these Ephesian disciples showed they didn't know much about God's nature as revealed in Jesus. They, they knew enough to be saved. They, they knew um, who Jesus was. They, they likely knew, of course, they knew that he, he died on the cross, that he rose again. Um, but they didn't know about his, his promise to, to send the, the Holy Spirit when he ascended into heaven. Now, aren't you glad? I, I mean, seriously, aren't you glad that you could be saved with a rudimentary understanding of who Jesus is without diving into these scriptures and having a full understanding of the Holy Spirit? My goodness. I mean, today we still argue about the nature of the Holy Spirit and whether His ministry is, is, uh, is for us today and whether prophecy is, uh, is appropriate for today. We still argue about that. Theologians that have degrees, more degrees than I have, uh, continue to argue about it. So aren't you glad that that's not a requirement for salvation? The Holy Spirit comes into your life when you understand rudimentary, <laughs> on a very basic level, who Jesus Christ is, that he died in your place, then that you can be saved, you can have life in his name. It's only after, only after that we're saved that often we become uh, hungry, we become thirsty for the word of God, and, and we begin to grow. You know, prior to knowing God, the Bible calls uh, what's called becoming a, a new creation or being saved or in Christ. These are all words that are used for the same thing. It's about being born again. It's difficult for people before that happens to get up and get to church to pay attention to the sermon. Uh, some people f feel that the hour in church is, uh, it feels like a week, a whole weekend. Uh, or sometimes people describe going to church as something like uh, going to the dentist office. But here's the thing, once we understand who Jesus is and we, uh, we accept Jesus, that the, the Holy Spirit comes into our life, little by little, and this is how God typically does it, we begin to mature, we begin to learn, we begin to embrace these, these mysteries of God. You know, God speaks uh, through them, through the scriptures, and through sermons, and everything that we have available to us, including this amazing body of Christ, this, this body of believers. We, we share with each other, we're encouraged by each other, we hear from each other, and we, we grow. You know, when we first meet the real Jesus and understand that He is our, our Savior, that He took our sin and forgives us, uh, we want more. We have this desire to change, and we have a desire to learn more and to know more and more about, about Jesus. Uh, let me tell you, this is exactly what happened to, to me. It also happened to my wife, Carol. When we first came to Christ, when we first understand, understood who Jesus truly was, and God quickened us. We were, we were born again. I, I have already told you part of my journey. This goes all the way back to 1981. Uh, my wife and I were asked to attend a class. Um, she was pregnant at the time, and we were asked to attend this class called Ashes to, to Pentecost. And it was the very first time that we were ever with a group of Christians that had Bibles that prayed, that actually believed what the Bible had to say. 
Now, at the very same time, I was working at Ford Motor Company, and there was a gentleman that we had in our office, a, a great Christian man. His name was Lou. Um, and he was a strong Christian, and we all knew that because not only did he talk about Jesus, but he also carried his Bible with him every day, and he read it uh, every day at lunch in the lunchroom. Now, Lou was one of the supervisors in the office, and one of Lou's responsibilities was to maintain what we call a, our, our pool fleet. Uh, this was a fleet of cars, about a dozen cars that we had in our office. Uh, that were there for us to use. If we needed to go to a dealership, if we needed to run an errand, if we needed to get to World Headquarters, which was about 30 miles away from our office at the time in the northern suburbs of Detroit, um, we could take one of these pool cars. Now, it just so happened that even though I was a relatively young man, I, I, was, I was fortunate. I had been promoted to the job of assistant manager. Now, the assistant manager wasn't like the manager. I didn't get in my own car, but I was entitled to be able to take a pool car home each night and drive it back the next morning. It wasn't my car. It wasn't to be used for a lot of personal things. I couldn't take it on vacation, but I could use it to go back and forth to work. Well, sure enough, Lou not only maintained these cars and made sure they were gassed up and, and their oil was changed, but also he had set every single button on the push-button radio to one of the Christian radio stations in Detroit. That's what he did. It was his, kind of his ministry. So I get in, get in the car and I turn the car on and I'm sure enough that I'm driving down the street and the radio is a Christian radio station and there's a guy preaching at me. He's preaching at me. So I switched the station. But remember, Lou had changed all of the stations on the push-button radio to Christian radio stations. So I got another person talking to me about Jesus. Well, over the the next few weeks, I remember my wife and I were also attending this, this new class, this Bible class uh, called Ashes to Pentecost. Amazing thing happened to us. I began, began to change, and somewhere along the line, along the, those few weeks, um, I committed my life to Jesus, and, and Carol about the same time as well. We were very fortunate that both of us came to Christ. Carol will tell you that it was during this time that she noticed that uh, when we were driving, that often I would turn on, uh, turn the radio on to one of these Christian stations that I had, had experienced. It was surprising to her that that's what I was interested in. But let me tell you, from the time that that happened, from the very first time that I began to know Jesus, um, that, that Jesus forgave my sins, and I knew I was headed to heaven, uh, what did I know at the time? Very little. Just what I just said. I, I knew very little about the scriptures. I had only begun to start reading the Bible. There was very little that I knew. I could be like these, these disciples in Ephesus. Uh, Paul could ask me a question. I could say, I don't even know what you're, what you're talking about. Now note at this time, the time that Paul is talking to these disciples in Ephesus, there is no uh, AM radio, there's no FM radio, there's no scriptures, there's, there's no Bible. There's no Bible that they can read, no New Testament account of the, of the life of Jesus Christ. They have to hear about it from others that have experienced it and understand it. These, these 12 men also were most likely byproducts of, this, of either Apollos or the same ministry that impacted Apollos. We're told in the, in the last chapter that Apollos taught accurately. He talked accurately. Luke had, to just, had just told us that Apollos had a gap. And that gap had to be filled uh, more thoroughly by Priscilla and Aquila, um, who also had learned from the Apostle Paul. So here in chapter 19, we see that some of these disciples, very likely, and in fact the context 
here identifies that these are disciples, not only of Jesus, but likely Apollos. Uh, but there's a principle that we have to learn here. And the principle is, is that it's difficult for any of us to go beyond our greatest teacher. Let me repeat that again. It's difficult for any of us to go beyond in understanding that of our greatest teacher. And that's not just regarding the Bible or theology. It applies to, to, to all uh, disciplines, uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's science or music, art, literature, um, accounting, engineering, and also theology. You see, there's a lid, and that lid is our greatest teacher. We all need great teachers. Remember, at this time, they, again, they don't have the New Testament. They don't have all these opportunities. Now, the greatest teacher in your life is actually the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has given aids to us uh, through the Bible, through the Scriptures, through, uh, the, through other, other individuals, through good pastors and teachers, to be able to equip us for works of ministry. Now, according to the Bible, this is, this is the journey of faith. From first hearing about Jesus to acceptance, including water baptism, and we find out through the Scriptures that after that, some receive the Holy Spirit sooner than others this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some received it early and some did not. For example, in Cornelius' house, the Gentiles who were listening to the word that, that Peter was preaching um, received the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. That's back in Acts chapter 10. Uh, for others, they did not receive the Holy Spirit when they first believed. For example, we hear of the Samaritans who did not receive it even after they had received water baptism. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit until Peter and John prayed for them and laid hands on them. You know, Paul was converted, if you remember, uh, on his way to Damascus, and he believed in the Lord. He answered, yes, Lord. So he knew the Lord, and it was three days later that Ananias placed his hands on Paul, and Paul was filled with, uh, with the Holy Spirit. This example of the disciples at Ephesus is just another example of this baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is, uh, sometimes comes much later uh, than the first initial um, opportunity uh, and actual act of, of uh, forgiveness of sins and salvation. Um, and here's an important point, and I want to make sure everybody understands that. Uh, everyone that is saved, everyone that is saved, everyone that is born from above, as Jesus told Nicodemus, um, Everybody that knows Jesus as their, their Lord and Savior has, has, H-A-S, has the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that he says, If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, or Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Then he concludes, he says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised, who, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through that same spirit. So when we come to Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. This is the, this is the Holy Spirit that comes and lives in us. This is the Holy Spirit that Jesus told Nicodemus was like the wind. Not the wind, but like the wind. You can't see it coming or see it leave, but you can feel the aspect of it. You know, for all too long, there are some that taught that you can only truly 
be a Christian. This is the opposite end. You can only be a truly a, be a Christian when you're literally perfect. <laughs> when you've done all the right things, you've believed all the right things, you've confessed all the right things, that you act, dress, and become exactly like all the other Christians in church. And it's, and it's hard to understand that actually when you are, are first introduced to Jesus, when you understand that Jesus is, is uh, the Savior, uh, that you become born again, um, that you actually have all that you need to, in order to be saved. You're just starting your journey. And, and the way I describe it is this way. You know, my, my children, my daughter, in fact, I'm in my daughter's home today. Uh, my daughter and my son, when they were first born, they were my children. They were children of my, my wife and I. They, were, they had all of the rights of being children, even though they, they knew nothing. They couldn't even speak. But they were a child of Ken and Carol. That's, that's who they were. They, actually, they were heirs. They were heirs of, they, they had an inheritance. Uh, everything that we had would be passed along to them, even though at the time they didn't even know how to spell inheritance. In the same way, when we're born again, the Spirit of God quickens. He makes alive our, our mortal bodies. We become a, a child of God. There's a journey ahead of us, however, and with God's help uh, and encouragement, uh, the Holy Spirit will teach us those things that we, we need to, to know, um, that we need to mature. However, that doesn't make us any more saved. That doesn't make us any more a child of God. Uh, that doesn't mean that God loves us anymore. But these are things that are given to us in order for us to, to mature. Um, Paul tells us back in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Therefore, do not be un unwise, but understand that the, what the will of the Lord is. And he says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see, what Paul is saying in Ephesians 5 in essence, this, in the Greek, it says to be continually filled, to be continually seeking those things of the Spirit of God. And if we do that, it will change our, our life. Just as, as we mature in this world and we understand more and more things and we become uh, better, better what? Better parents, better, better sons, better daughters, better citizens. We become better citizens of heaven uh, through the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's continue. Verse 3, And he said to them, Into what were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is Christ Jesus. So we see here again that it isn't just the Holy Spirit that's being discussed, but it's the baptism that's being discussed. These Ephesian disciples had only a basic understanding of the Messiah. Uh, they were in the same place as Apollos before Aquila and Priscilla explained to him the way of the way, the, uh, the, the way of the Lord more accurately. Again, remember what I said in this topic, that the Holy Spirit baptism is actually controversial. So controversial that they suggest that these Ephesian disciples were not actually Christians yet. But let's move on. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. So we see this time 
this baptism, this baptism of the Holy Spirit that came through the laying on of hands uh, came with wonders. Wonders. They were able to speak uh, in tongues, languages, and they were able to prophesy. Now, the Bible asks this question, do all speak in tongues? The answer is no. Do all prophesy? No. Um, when we receive a filling of the Holy Spirit, it impacts different people differently. We just saw Apollos in the same situation, and he received the same filling of the Holy Spirit, but we see no indication in the previous chapter that Apollos uh, worked any wonders. There was no prophecy, there was no, there was no tongues, no manifestation. So let's continue. Verse 8, it says this, And he, that means Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. You know, we've, we've understood and we've read that Paul really enjoyed speaking in the synagogues whenever that was possible. He was familiar with the synagogues. These were his people. And also they had a tradition in the synagogues of the day that if some man wanted to be able to speak, had a word, they would allow that person to, to get up and, and to speak. Now this was only for men. I'm sorry, no ladies were permitted at the time. You know, not in the synagogues, but we know that it was in the churches that women were allowed to speak. And we just uh, talked briefly about the ministry of Priscilla. So the scripture tells us that Paul went into the synagogue and spoke there for three months. He had an extended time of preaching in the synagogue in Ephesus, but we see the pattern that we've seen before repeated, and we see that some Jews that were stiff-necked, as we say, uh, and the scripture here says that they were hardened, meaning that their hearts were hardened, spoke against Paul, spoke against the way. So Paul, in this case, moves his students. I love that. This is one of the first times we see Paul actually taking people out of the synagogue and removing them, and he takes them to a school, the school that's operated, obviously, by Tyrannius. Um, so after, after two years, Paul is teaching in this school with the disciples, and it says that all of Asia um, became, were, were, were able to, to learn about Jesus. Carried, again, Paul carried this on for, for two years. Now, I want to speak a little bit about uh, just a, a couple of words in this, in, this, in, this, uh, in this scripture today that have come up before, but we haven't spent any time on it, but now is the time. Um, I want to call it your attention to that these early Christians were called the way, or the movement was called the way. The scripture says, but when some were hardened and did not believe, they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. Now, according to historians, the way is one of the names given to the early Christians. We see it often in the Acts of the Apostles. These historians say that the way was one of the, uh, the names of the Christians uh, all the way up until the time of Constantine. And it was at the time of the Constantine when the, when the Christian church, when the disciples of Jesus Christ became the Church of Rome, um, that at that time they decided that they were going to call Christians Catholics. Now, Catholic means universal. So it was idea it was the universal religion of the empire of Rome. 
So again, this is not the very first time we hear Christians referred to as the way. For example, in Acts chapter 9, verse 2, the Apostle Paul asked for letters from the Sanhedrin. Remember that? It says, so that if he found that any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. You know, the way is mentioned several times in the book of, of Acts, including chapter 9, uh, here in, in chapter 18, as well as in chapter 22 and 23. Later, when we get to channel or to chapter 24, during his trial before Felix, Paul says this. Paul says, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. So Paul is calling attention to not only does Paul understand that the religion, this sect of Judaism uh, that follows Jesus as the Christ, is called the way, and he also, he also acknowledges that in uh, Jerusalem, as well as much of the Roman Empire at the time, it is considered a sect of Judaism. Now, possibly the early followers of, of Christ will refer to themselves as followers of the way. Uh, some believe it's because of what Jesus says of himself. In, in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, to drive home this important point, um, of understanding what Apollos as well as these 12 disciples lacked. Um, just last week in chapter 18, when it said of Apollos, I want to read it again for you, it said, it said, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way, in the way. So this is a, a, a strong reference to that he already believed and already understood, and he was instructed in the way, which was the name of the early Christian church. So what do we learn from this? Well, let me summarize. Today's lessons, we, we learned that fortunately for us, we can come to Christ without a full and thorough understanding of everything that the Bible teaches. Um, the Bible says in, in Romans uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 9, uh, it says, if you confess with your mouth uh, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a relatively simple understanding of who Jesus is. And then what happens is the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and it quickens our, our spirit and we become born again. We become one with God. So this is why we begin, but at the same time, we need to grow onto maturity. And a big part of that is the teaching of the Holy Spirit. We've learned that we can get enough of God to get saved and enough of God to have eternal life. But there is more to God that we can know, more to the Holy Spirit that we can experience as we grow and as we mature. So we may have started off as babes, but there's always opportunities to grow. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity today uh, to be able to... You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org. 